Well, take your Bible this morning and turn uh, back to the book of Matthew. We'll resume our series in the Gospel of Matthew here today. It's been a little while since we've been in the Gospel of Matthew for our series entitled Jesus is King. And that's a good thing to remember and know assuredly that Jesus is indeed King. So we'll turn to Matthew chapter 6. If I mention what chapter, that'll help you. Matthew and chapter number 6 and verse number 25 is where we're going to begin. If you'll find your place there, Matthew and chapter number 6. And uh, really it's a unit beginning in verse 19. So for the sake of time, we'll just review that as we get into it. You could glance over it as we do, but you'll see that these are definitely interconnected uh, because when you see the word therefore in a verse, then it's obviously reaching back previous to the other verses. And so we'll pick up a reading now in verse number 25. Therefore I say unto you, Jesus says to his disciples, uh, by the way, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father, notice it's not their heavenly Father, it's your heavenly Father, feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? You're better than birds. And he takes care of the birds. Which of you, he says in verse 27, by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? You want to be taller? Just think real hard. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Why take you thought for raiment or clothing? Why, why do you take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he much more clothe you, O ye of little, what? Faith. Faith. Therefore, take no thought, he says it again, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Some of you are thinking about that already. It's getting close to noon. What shall we eat? Where are we going to go? <laughs> what restaurant are we going to go to, right? You're already thinking about it. Now, come on, it's natural for us. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, food, clothing, drink, all these things shall be added unto you. And then one more admonition from our Savior in this vein is he says in verse 34, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. 
Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You got enough problems today. Don't think about tomorrow. I know somebody that's applying that. My son, my youngest son that's not looking forward to going back to school tomorrow. He is applying that verse right now. Don't you know? Take no thought. No thought. <laughs> Jesus is king. Jesus is king. So this morning, the uh, sermon title is this, The Restless Rule Over the Realm of Worry. The Restless Rule Over the Realm of Worry. Worry. We all tend to worry. Is that right? We tend to worry. The Restless Rule Over the Realm of Worry. May God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated, as you're trust his word to be the help to us this morning that we all need. William Shakespeare said, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. In other words, an earthly king has reason to worry. He's got a lot that can go wrong in his kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar, in fact, when we use that quote, most recently was in our Sunday school as we're going through the book of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar was king and he had a dream that woke him up and would not let him go to sleep. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. He was concerned because he saw a multi-metallic man that was crushed by the rock of ages. So he couldn't go back to sleep. Ahab couldn't go to sleep. He lay down in his bed totally dejected because uh, Naboth would not give him his vineyard. He was pouting about it. He pouted until he was consoled and tucked in by Jezebel, his wife, who said, don't worry about it, baby, I'll take care of it. Now, those words aren't, that's not verbatim from the scripture, but that's basically how it was. Herod, Herod couldn't sleep because he heard there's born, born one that's called king of the Jews, and he considered himself to be king of the Jews. Somebody was threatening his kingdom. Kings don't rest well because they know that at any moment there could be serious problems in their kingdom. Those in charge have plenty of worries. In our text, our Lord made it clear that worry belongs to only one kingdom and it's not his. Worry belongs to only one kingdom and it's not the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Six different times in our verses, I tried to highlight it along the way for us here where he said, take no thought, take no thought. Why take you thought? Six different times in this relatively short passage, he deals with taking thought, which means this, being anxious as you might imagine, being anxious or worrying about something, fretting about something, caring for something, being overly concerned about an outcome, apprehension about a possible danger or misfortune, to think earnestly upon, to be pulled, literally, the word means this, to be pulled in different directions. To be pulled in different directions. Now, all of us can suffer that, from that. We can be pulled in different directions, and that's worry. One man said, there's all the difference in the world between facing the problems we have, most certainly will face in life, there's a big difference between facing them firm, firmly with faith in our Heavenly Father and facing them with anxiety. Anxiety. Another individual said this, that worry is practical atheism. Worry is practical atheism. Well, what does that mean? Well, atheism, you know, no gods. People that say there's no God. Um, practical atheism is living like there's no God. 
Worry is practical atheism. Worry is interest paid on troubles before they're due. Another individual said, I've got a few quotes here on worry. Um, Mark Twain said this, I am an old man and have known a great many troubles, but most of them have never happened. I've known a great many troubles, but most of them have never happened. Uh, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. Those who live in a worry invite death in a hurry. How about that? Worry can cast a big shadow before a small thing. Worry. One man wrote this. It's a poem. Bear with me here. I don't do great or well reading poems, but I'm worried about it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm old man worrying, nobody's friend. Though I'm called in many a home, when trouble comes for me, they will send. And it matters not where they roam. For me, they will lie awake many a night, and I pay them in shattered nerves. And they hold me and cuddle me tight. I'm an old man whom many a one serves. The rich and the poor invite me in and I go wherever they ask. And, but they should know that I hurt like sin and unfit them for any task. I rob them of friends as well as health and things that are held most dear. And it matters not if they have wealth they are not happy when I'm near. Worry. But, there are, but two, there are two smart ones where I can't abide. They are faith and hope, I declare. Wherever they go, I stay outside. No room to crowd in there. Faith and hope casting out worry. Uh, we worry about tests. We worry about driving. We worry about finding a job. We worry about keeping a job. We worried about getting married. We worry about staying married. We worried about a spouse. We worry about our kids. We worry about our grandkids. We worry about health matters. We worry about COVID. We worry about the government and for good reason. We worry about job performance and we worry about upcoming deadlines and we worry about what people think and we worry why they didn't like what I posted and we worry about wedding details and other details and we worry about upcoming bills and we worry about late bills. We worry. The restlessness of any kingdom depends on who's on the throne. The restlessness, I want, I want you to ponder that here. I'm going to try to expound upon that statement. The restlessness of any kingdom depends on who's king. Yeah, depends on who's king. Jesus, uh, in this text, he's already dealt with how that we tend to live for here. Temporary things, material possessions. We tend to live and, and we, we buy things that can rust. We buy things that break down and we, we try to gather things that could be stolen. I mean, we live for here. That's what verses 19 and following really try to point out. And, and our focus is off. I mean, we're, we're concerned about things and we're materialistic in our outlook. 
In fact, uh, I, I like what Craig Bloomberg said. He said, the greatest danger to Western civilization, Western Christianity specifically, I'm sorry, to Western Christianity is not as is sometimes alleged prevailing ideology such as Marxism, Islam, or the New Age movement, or humanism, but the greatest danger to Western Christianity is the all-pervasive materialism of our affluent culture. We try so hard to create heaven on earth and to throw Christianity in when it's convenient. As another small addition to my so-called good life. Hey, I want to tell you something. What Jesus is doing here with these disciples as he's meeting with them on the mountain, trying to help them to know how to go and live out the Christian life and try to reach others. He's trying to help them understand that, listen, your life is not about everything that you have. Your life is not about, the, the, about having your best life now. That's nowhere near what Jesus taught. Which master you choose to serve will determine the nature of your life. And that's his verses uh, 19 through 24. About a week ago, I preached up at Sioux City, Iowa. And, and after the service, I was putting my Bible away. They have a prophet's chamber there. And I and, uh, heard somebody outside the door. And, and they said, uh, Brother Gaddis. Uh, uh, and I answered the door. And they said, there's a gentleman that was in the service that would like to meet with you, pastor, the pastor there. Uh, once would like for you to meet with him. And so I walked in the office. He had a, a service dog and he'd been there for Sunday school and for Sunday morning church. And, and, and uh, you could tell just that the man had lived a pretty rough life. He really had. And, 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 and I mean, I no sooner walked in the door and he was broken. He was in tears and he said this, I'm tired of living for myself. We had quite a conversation. Jesus taught his disciples, since you don't live for yourself, you don't have reason to worry because you're under the Father's care. You're under the Father's care. Why take you thought? Therefore, he says, therefore, because, because listen, you're not living for what is temporary because your focus is not not a scattered focus, but it's a single focus. Be thou my vision. I'm telling you, if we could just hang on to that phrase in the song and say, oh God, I want you to be my vision and lift up our eyes off of all the things. Listen, I realize we've got to take kids to school. You've got to pay bills. I understand that. You need to have, go out and have a good lunch somewhere here today or have people over at your house or just enjoy a good time. God's not against you enjoying a good meal. Are you listening to me? It's, it's not like, hey man, right there. Absolutely, Brother Gary. He's not against any of that, but but listen, all those things and things here on this earth, they shouldn't be our primary focus because no man can serve two masters because he's either going to hate the one and love the other or he's going to love the one and hate the other. You can't serve God. Jesus said it. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you can't serve God and yourself and your, your material possessions. It's not just about that. It's about this. Living a secular life. You can't do it. You can't just, you can't just live I'm, if you want to be his disciple. You can't just live a secular life that has, has God just on Sunday mornings compartmentalized in your nice little Christian life. And, and then you take, take God out every now and then when you need him. No, no, friend. Listen, he deserves better than that. And you need him more than just on Sunday mornings. 
Otherwise, you'll live fretting and worried and anxious and concerned and because you're like the individual that's trying to keep all those plates spinning. I have no idea how they, they do that. They have like 10 of those plates spinning and they're trying to keep them all going at the same time. Why? Because you're anxious because it's your kingdom you're trying to run. What concerns us most is Jesus gets into this. Look at verse number 25 again. He says, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or drink. Your body, what you shall put on. I'm telling you, he's on the vein of our lives. I mean, you think about it. What things concern us most? I mean, you think about all the advertisements. Think about all the commercials that you, you see on, on TV. Think about all the emails that come unsolicited to you right? And you have to unsubscribe and unsubscribe. And I didn't even know I subscribed. <laughs> I like it when they ask, why are you unsubscribing? I want to add something on there because I really want to. <laughs> and it says, you know, did you not subscribe? Yes, that box and that box and that box and that box. Where does this come from? Right. Okay. Magazines, billboards, um, posts, I mean, all kinds of things. Uh, you, you have an app on your phone for the news and you get all these advertisements. I finally just got rid of a bunch of it. Well, I don't need it all. But most, think about it now, most of the advertisements that you see are about food, drink, and something to make you look good. Think about it. Is that right? Food. And man, they can make that burger look so good. And then you order it. You say on the menu, they, I mean, they got a picture there. And I mean, it's just juicy. And, and, and you say, I want that. And then they bring that out and it looks like this. You say, wait, wait a minute. Take this back and bring me that. Because that looks really good. Are you following me? Man, they can make that Coke or that, that drink, you know, look so good. You know, I mean, it's just sweating on the outside, little beads of, you know, condensation going down the side. Oh, man, it looks so good. And in many ways, it, it is. I mean, that, that's drink. And, of course, then they can do that with alcohol and make alcohol look so good and so refreshing. And they don't show the other side of alcohol. And then they, they want to make you look attractive. And so they, they have... And by the way, I mean, obviously we, we, we got to, well, this is safe, the obvious, we got to wear clothes and, and, but I mean, they make, they say, oh, you look wonderful in this and you look great in this and you need this kind of, of hair product. <laughs> nope. Really? I didn't subscribe to that one. I guarantee you I didn't subscribe to that one. So you can, you need this hair product. You need this makeup. You need this eyeliner. You need this kind of lipstick. You need this kind of jewelry. You need this kind of dress. You need this kind of suit, this kind of tie, this kind of shirt, this kind of shoes, this kind of, this kind of car to make you look good. It's not about getting you from point A to point B. It's you got to get there in style and in a hurry. Am I right about that? In fact, if you don't want to drive, we'll drive for you. I mean, it's, it's, it's all these things. And I'm, I'm, please don't misunderstand this message, but I, I'm not against those things. I don't think God's against those things, but unless it's what the focus of your whole life is about. See, 
And so all these things are making it look so tantalizing. You've got to have these clothes and this cologne and this perfume and, and on and on. And my soul, the next thing you know, you're just wore out, stressed out, trying to have everything that everybody else has. And it's no wonder there's so many ulcers in America. And you're concerned because somebody didn't repost what you put up there. They didn't like what you had to eat today for lunch. Hey, who cares? Right. John Stott said everything, he was looking at a, at a magazine, a glossy magazine on world travel, you know, come here to Rome, come here to this, this uh, wonderful travel site, and, and, and they showed concern for the welfare of the body. Think about how much advertisement has to do with the welfare of the body, and he says, uh, he says how to feed it, how to clothe it, how to warm it, how to cool it, how to refresh it, how to relax it, how to entertain it, and how to beautify it. It's all about the body. The body that's only here for a little while. The body that's maybe here for about 70 years. The body that's about here for about 80 years if you, if you have good strength, the body that's maybe here for maybe 90 years, maybe, maybe 100 years, maybe 100 years, but I'm telling you, at this very, very best, it's still just temporary, and we pull all kinds, pour all kinds of attention to the body, to the neglect of the soul. It's not that it's not worthy of attention. Jesus did not in this passage indicate that we're not supposed to work hard, or he did not indicate that we're not supposed to eat or drink or wear clothing. He did not in any ways indicate that. He's just simply saying this. These things are not worthy. The primary focus of your attention. Because God is eternal and you're temporary. What are you putting your best effort into? We can become choked. You can hear a sermon like this and others on a Sunday or Sunday night, hear a wonderful Sunday school lesson, just a, like I heard this a morning in Southwest Bible class. And, and you can hear those things and then still go out and live life for you. Here's what Jesus said to do. Look at the birds. <laughs> That's what he said to do. Watch the birds. You say, I am too young to be a bird watcher. <laughs> Jesus said, just look at the birds. Look, look at it in, in the verse so you see it again. Verse 26, behold the fowls of the air. It literally it is. It's, it's a command. Watch the birds. Watch them. Look at them. Did you see them out there planting a row of corn? No, they're eating the corn that you planted. <laughs> they don't sow. They're not out there sowing seed. Well, we got to think in my head about the harvest because, man, we got to have something to eat. No, they don't think that way. Neither do they reap. They didn't have a big harvest time. They're out, out there running combines. I saw so much corn on the way up to Iowa and beans. I didn't see any birds out there, though, reaping them in the sense of running combines and so forth. They don't reap. They, I didn't see any barns owned by birds. God feeds them every day, a bunch of them. I mean, it's hard enough for us to feed three growing boys. Can you imagine the responsibility of caring for all the birds? There's a bunch of them. I mean, when they're spread out, you don't realize it, but when they're all in MacArthur... And they're getting a free meal at Jack in the Box or wherever else. I don't know. I mean, what brings them all in? 
It makes you realize, oh, my soul, there's a bunch of birds. And Jesus said, your heavenly father feeds every one of them. They don't have a bank account. They don't have a debit card. They don't have a Roth IRA. They don't have everything that you, you think you need. You don't, you, they don't have all that. And yet he takes care of them every day, every day. And he says this, aren't you better than the birds? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? You can't do it. You can't think, I need to be taller, so I'm going to do what I can to, to be taller. No, it's not going not to happen. Why worry about it? God made you like you are. Yeah, but I want to be stronger. I want to be bigger. And there's things that I realize that we can do to lose weight, add muscle, uh, all those things. But, but stop and ask yourself the question, why am I doing those things? Why? There's really only two reasons, either for God or for yourself. I like to run. You know that. I enjoy running. But I have to keep before my mind, do I like to run for me or do I like to run for God? And I try to run for God so that I can preach sermons without losing my breath. <laughs> you say, preacher, I wish you wasn't running because you can preach way too long. <laughs> he takes care of the birds. And in fact, uh, you've heard perhaps this, this saying by Elizabeth Cheney who said this, said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know. Why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so? Said the sparrow to the robin. Friend, I think it that it must be. They have no heavenly father, such as one that cares for you and me. <laughs> he said this in verse 28. Why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spend and Spin, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He says, listen, just go outside and look at the flowers. I'm talking about not, even the ones that you planted, but you didn't make it look that good. But in addition to that, take a mountain hike sometime and see some of those mountain flowers that are out there that no man but God planted. And they're arrayed in beauty. Oh, my soul, as I hike some mountains, I have my phone ready so I can take a picture of not just the majestic mountains, but the little bitty flower that probably nobody's going to see, you know, very much. And, but there it is clothed in all of its beauty and all of its splendor. Why? Because God knows how to clothe it. And he's saying to his disciples, why are you consumed with these thoughts? Why do you worry how you're going to make ends meet? Listen, if a man is working for a good foreman, don't you know that foreman is going to take good care of him? As I worked for my dad and spent some hours there, I knew even though dad had me working from morning to night, perhaps, that he was at least going to buy me a good lunch somewhere. And I didn't have to worry about that. I'm telling you, we're serving somebody much greater than your, your earthly father. As you're serving your heavenly father, if you're trying to live your life under his authority, then listen to me, young man. And listen to me, young lady and young family and, and everybody here, if you're serving the Lord and He's on the throne, you can trust. He'll take care of you. And honestly, I, I, I have here quoted, and I'm not going to take the time to, to read it all, but I'm reading through still the, the journals of some of the, the missionaries in China that it, during the time of the Boxer Rebellion, as, as, as Chinese individuals were trying to rid their country of, of foreigners, and they were mercilessly slaying, slaughtering missionaries as well as other officials and, and just getting them out of their country. And, and I read the words of a lady that was on the run with her family, and, and I believe she survived. I'm, I'm not that far ahead in the 
in the book, but, but they're starving, literally. I mean, they don't have anything to eat. They said, we're moneyless and we've got just a little bit more for the baby. But, but she says, he who, who had no, no place to lay his head and, and that was often hungry, shall I always have a place over my head? And shall I always go where I'm not hungry? She says, I, I realize coming to China that I might starve. And even if he allows me to starve, she said this, I'm at peace with him. See, God never promised that we wouldn't get hungry. He never promised that we wouldn't get thirsty. Surely Elijah hungered and surely Elijah thirsted. But listen, God took care of Elijah in his own way, in his own time, because God was on the throne. Elijah got worried and concerned and consumed with himself and got under a juniper tree and said, it'd just be good for me to die right here because Jezebel's after me. What happened right there? What happened right there is that Elijah stopped listening to the voice of God and started listening to his inner voice of worry. He fretted. Look at verse number 30, the latter part of it. If God takes care of the, the, the grass of the field, as you see there, it's today and then tomorrow it's gone, which is very true here in Oklahoma, Right? I mean, hey, we got some rain again. That's a blessing. Normally, grass here at this time of the year is brown, right? I mean, just yesterday, though, it was great. We had all those young people out there, and Brother Seth had a great idea. It was really, it was awesome to watch this as they had uh, Nine Square and, and Gaga Ball and some other stuff there just out in the grassy area in front of the gym at Heartland. And I mean, that, that grass was looking really green on Monday. Today... At least in that circle where, yeah, I don't know if you what Gaga Ball is, but it's a little pin, but all those kids in there, now it's a brown spot. Yesterday it was green, today it's brown. And, and to be quite honest with you, if the grass never grows there again, it doesn't really matter as long as their lives are growing. See. But I'm just saying, just like Jesus said, one day it's good, the next day it's burn up. God takes care of the grass of the field. How much more shall he take care of you? Oh, ye of little money. Is that what he said? Oh, ye of little brains. <laughs> oh, ye of little time. Oh, ye of little education. Oh, ye of little opportunity. No, he says, oh, ye of little faith. Jesus does not talk about a weak dollar. We talk about a weak dollar. Uh, by the way, Parker Brothers makes money. A country should not. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. We can talk about a weak dollar. We can be so consumed and concerned about the economy. In fact, I preached this passage. Some of you, I, I don't know that you remember this, but like 10 years ago or so, uh, I had to dig and find the notes, but I preached this passage and I called it God's stimulus plan. And it was all the way back to 2008. So it's over, over 10 years ago. And the big stimulus plan that was rolling out in 2009. So it was about maybe 2009 when I preached this message. God's stimulus plan. And that time the bill... Uh, the stimulus bill or plan was 787, I forget what, oh mercy, it was a lot. 
Well, God's got a stimulus plan and it's not more money. He's not talking about a weak dollar here. He's not talking about a weak economy here. He's talking about this weak faith. Little faith. Well, verse 31 he says, therefore, take no thought. I mean, he's taking care of the birds. He's taking care of the grass. He's taking care of the flowers. Therefore, take no thought. Don't get anxious about. Don't get consumed or worried about. Don't be overly concerned about these things, saying, what shall we eat? And what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. In other words, that's how people live that don't know God. That's how they live when they don't know God. By the way, you and I were made to seek something. We, we're made that way. We seek something. The biggest question is who or what you seek. The Gentiles seek all these things. But look what he says in the latter part of verse number 32. For your heavenly father knoweth what? Knoweth that you have need of all these things. He knows what you have need of this morning. He knows that you came in here worried. He knew that you needed this message. He knew that you're anxious and troubled about many things. It may not be about finances. It could be about a health situation. It could be about a family situation. It could be about a number of things. It could be a bunch of things all at one time. And your worry and your fear and your concern and your thought has got you stifled and it's got you perplexed and, 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 and you're consumed with it. Perhaps. What should you do? Look at it, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. First here doesn't just mean like first in order, but it's more this first of importance. Seek his kingdom first. And that's where the idea of ruling comes from because if we are to seek his kingdom, then that means he is king. And I live under his authority. And therefore I do what he says to do. And I go where he says to go and I trust him to take care of me. Amen. And he's a good king. And I seek his kingdom first. In other words, I, I really believe this does have to do with, I want to tell the gospel to more people so more people come into the kingdom. I want to be involved in that. I want to seek his kingdom first. I want to put him first. I want to put God first. I, I ask you this morning, are you putting God first in your life and putting the things of God first in your life? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, you need to be consumed with, of course, the fact that you're saved means that your life ought to be right with him and righteous with him. And we ought to be concerned that righteousness is in our church and righteousness, his righteousness is in our family. And we're living right in his eyes and, and be focused on that rather than being trendy and rather than being popular, rather than being liked, and rather than being entertained. Hey, enough of all that. You're driving yourself batty trying to do all those things. Here's what you ought to do. Just seek to be his servant. Just know that you're his son or you're his daughter in the faith by Jesus Christ. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But just know that you're, you've got a home in heaven and that's what matters most. Live for things eternal because if you live for things that are temporary, You'll get stressed out. In other words, he's saying, put your very best efforts in his kingdom. Could you do some introspection right here? Are you putting your very best in his work? 
Would you honestly answer that? I'm not going to move on until you have time to think about it. Are you honestly putting your very best, your best talent, your best energy? I realize, hey, I understand this. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I understand, in us, well, no good thing. I understand that, but I'm talking about the Spirit of God working in you. Is God getting leftovers from you or is he getting your very best? Is he getting your very best? I'd like to think that he's getting your very best. I'd like to think he's getting my very best. But I know that oftentimes I'm prone, and maybe you are like me as well, I'm prone to do this, I'm prone to live not for his kingdom, but for mine. And you're prone to live for your kingdom. How things are going in your life, your comfort, your pleasure, your goals. How about his pleasure, his goals, his purposes? How many times do you check your account in a course of a day? How many times do you check your social media outlet to see who is liked or who's following? How consumed are you with yourself? What are you not involved in that you ought to be involved in? Whether it's teaching a class or singing in the choir or working a bus route because you're too concerned what others might think about you than... Nor, and too consumed with the pressure that would be on you. I, I mean, I'm just asking, whose kingdom is it that you're really living for here? If you put yourself first, naturally, God's left out. But if you put God first, He takes care of you. Do you see that? As, you put, as we put God first, He takes care of us. It's His kingdom and His righteousness, the primary ambition of your life. Because we can sure become consumed even with tomorrow's troubles. I like what Warren Wiersbe said, and this is out of verse 34 as we've already referenced it. Worried about tomorrow does not help either tomorrow or today. Here it is. On this mountain, overlooking a sea of people who are wondering, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Wherewithal shall I be clothed? All the anxiety of a frantic society that's in a hurry and thus consumed with worry. Jesus said to his disciples basically this idea, you can stop living with worry if you'll start living by faith. Stop living with worry by starting to live by faith. The restlessness of any kingdom depends on who's king. The restlessness of any kingdom depends on who is king. So let me ask you this morning then, is there panic in your palace? Is there panic in your palace? What do you mean by that? Well, 
If the restlessness of any kingdom depends on who is king, and God's not really first in your life, and you're really living for yourself, then it's no wonder you may come to the pastor or send for the pastor or somebody else, a godly friend, just like that man did and said, I'm tired of living for myself. And I'm glad to tell you, he got on his knees that morning invited the Lord Jesus Christ to be his savior, pled for mercy, repented of his sin. I'm, I'm saying to you also that you don't have to worry about your past or where you're going to spend eternity if you know him as your savior. You don't have to worry about it. And that man called on the Lord. I've never led somebody to Christ with a service dog right there. That was a first. He, he asked me after, he said, hey, was that a first for you to pray with somebody that had a dog? <laughs> it was right there. Yeah, it was. And I, I so desired, I so prayed, oh God, please help me. I don't want to lead this man to make a wrong profession or a false profession, you know, just to pray a prayer because that, that won't save you. Just reciting some words won't save you, but calling upon the Lord will save you for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that man with all of his tattoos and that man with all of his past and that man called on Christ to be a savior. He was at the five o'clock service that night and brought his daughters with him. They had two services, not just one, but two services that night. A five o'clock service and then a six o'clock service. And he was there for both. And I'm telling you, a total different countenance on the man. Why? Because he got off the throne of his life and he let the Lord Jesus Christ be in his rightful place in his life. And when you do that, there's peace. Are you tired of living for yourself? Who's running things in your life? Who's king? I taught yesterday in Hereford, Texas group of men, Hispanic, predominantly translated. Had a young man named Jimmy from San Antonio came up to me after the lesson. Everybody had left. He came back in the room. He told me how that his life had been a mess. He'd been clean for about a year or so from drugs and alcohol. But this past April, he trusted Jesus to be a savior. And he's 20-something and uh, he said, he said, preacher, I've got money now. I've got money. And he wasn't bragging like my money, my life's about, but he just simply said this. I used to, I had no money. I, I, I wasted everything on me. But now, and he's got, you know, he's got stepchildren. He's got a couple other kids of their own. I, I think, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I, I'm just simply saying, he says, now I, I can take care of my family. I've got means there. You know what it is? He got off the throne of his life and he let Jesus be his king. And now he's got a burning desire for his kids to serve the Lord and to love the Lord. And he says, I tell them, you're not going to have that phone and, and look at those things and go to those websites. And they're all upset. He said, they're all upset at me, but I've been down that road. I know what it's like in that world. I know what it's like to be a, without God in my life. And he said, I've never been so much at peace in my life. And he said, my brother, I'm so concerned about him because he just can't see it like I'm seeing it now. It's like he's blind to these things. And he says, I'm praying for him. I want him to trust Jesus to be his savior. I'm telling you, a new king came to live in the life of Jimmy. 
I'm so grateful to God and a new king can live in your life today. You don't have to worry about your eternity. In fact, you don't even have to worry about tomorrow. You don't have to worry about your past. In fact, you don't even have to worry today if you'll just submit to God and say, God, I want you to be my king. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. And he'd give you rest because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But there's restlessness in the realm of worry because you were never made to be the king or queen of your own life. Let's stand together here this morning. like to ask this morning with heads bowed just to provide a <clears throat> time of private reflection. Who today would raise their hand and say, I'm, I'm worried about the future, namely eternity, because I've never trusted Jesus to be my personal Savior. And if you don't know exactly what that means, then I'm probably describing you here this morning. Eternity's forever. Hell is real. Heaven is real. The Lord Jesus Christ truly died on the cross for you, was buried, and rose again to be your Savior. But if you don't know Him as your Savior today, I want to ask you to raise your hand real high just so I can see it. If there's anybody like that. I, if I die today, I'm concerned about that. Would you raise your hand? Anybody as I look around here this morning? That's, that is your greatest, really, truly, the greatest concern of life is where you'll spend eternity. Now, I wonder today how many believers would say, Brother Gaddis, you didn't know it, but God knew it. And I needed that passage from our Lord and Savior today because of some of the worry and things that have been on my mind. And would you pray for me? Anybody like that? Just raise your hand. Yeah. Dear God, um, help us today. As you did your disciples then, your words echo through the years. And you call us to submit to your kingdom and your rule in our lives. Dear God, I pray that you'd help us with that. I pray that you'd speak to hearts. I pray that, that those, Lord, that are living in fear or anxiety or worry would come, Lord, and just simply submit to you as king and obey you out of love for you because of your love first for them, your all-consuming love. And because of the greatness of your power and the wisdom, dear God, of your ways, Lord, you are trustworthy, more than trustworthy. And God, I pray that you'd break through the bondage here today that some may be living in, and I pray that you'd set them free because of the Savior. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, today to bend the knee, to submit our will to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, just as you are, would you come, page 275. Just come on this first verse. Just step out where you are and, and bring that concern to the Lord here this morning. He's ready to receive it. Would you come? He's able. Come on this verse.